You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome to Giants Double Play the San Francisco Chronicles podcast on Major League Baseball. I'm your host, Janie Hu, the Chronicles assistant sports editor, and I'm joined, as always, by our Giants beat writer, Henry Shulman. Hey, Henry. Thanks for joining us again. Um, we have some exciting news for our listeners um, who have been asking again and again when we would be on iTunes. And Giants Double Play is finally available on Apple Podcasts at iTunes.com. Hooray! Yeah, that's fantastic. You know, and I, I know a lot of people can now uh, listen to it uh, just as they're, you know, sitting on the BART train or doing their workouts, uh, which I've heard some people do. Uh, I wouldn't know about that. <laughs> Um, and, uh, you know, just be safe with it. Uh, just, uh, you know, don't get so engrossed in what we're talking about that you drive off the road. I'll tell you what, I'm doing the bike commute most days. I'm not going to be re-listening to this Giants double play on my bike commute. How about that? That's a good idea. (laughs) All right. So, uh, we're here, um, uh, it's Friday, July 27th. We are a few days out from the trade deadline, um, baseball's non-waiver trade deadline, um, and we'll get into more specifics about that. Um, but that is Tuesday, July 31st. Um, and the last time, Henry, we were talking, uh, you know, we were saying that this is a critical time for the Giants to figure out if they're going to be buyers or sellers. They were about, they were coming out of the All-Star break. They were about to uh, play some pretty uh, hot teams, the A's, uh, the Mariners, and they're starting their series with the Brewers, and they've kind of been trending backwards. Is that that's where we sit right now? Yeah, two uh, two and four as we sit here and record this, and you know what that does partly. Uh, also, Brandon Belt going on the disabled list as well. And I mean, what that does here is, uh, I mean, it, it kind of makes management wonder if it's a, a good idea to expend prospects to go out on a on a huge buying spree. Now, you have to remember this is. You know, five and a half games back is not a lot. Uh, I believe that's what they are in the division as we speak. Six and a half out on the wild card. Uh, it, it just seems like a lot because they haven't once this year shown really that they have the ability to to bust through. They haven't been more than five games above 500. And uh, there really are three options. There's buying, there's selling, uh, and there's, there's really kind of standing pat and just um, holding on to what you have, seeing if you, what you can do the rest of the year maybe with a minor addition or two um, it, without giving up a big prospect uh, and then using maybe your financial muscle and uh, your ability to make trades in the off season to try and uh, fix this for next year. Um, it, it doesn't look like there's an easy fix this year. Uh, it, I mean, yep, it's a, you know, with a team that's not hitting, I mean, I don't think that, I don't think you're going to be able to go out and get a, a 30 homer guy uh, right now. And uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know who it is that's out there. You look at some of the trades that have been made uh, offensively. Uh, you have Manny Machado, and that was a huge one. Um, and But that was right. the huge one that's out there. I mean, today the Diamondbacks got Asdrubal Cabrera. That's the kind of piece 
the Giants might be looking to get, maybe an outfield piece. You know, there are some potential free agents to be out there. Um, you know, uh, just uh, Jones from uh, Baltimore. For Adam, Jones, Adam Jones right. from Baltimore. I mean, there's a guy who can hit home runs and uh, could could be a piece for the outfield for a little while. Maybe a guy who's not going to take a, need a ton of prospects in return because he's a he's a rental. Uh, you know, somebody like that. But I, I don't I don't know if they're I don't know if they're committed to doing something like that um, with the team actually going in the wrong direction. Right. Uh, what do you? What kind of message do you think that sends to the Giants fan base? I mean, obviously, they were sitting in a lost season already at this stage a year ago, right? Um, and they you're talking about buying or selling. They could have sold. And I think mostly on the premise that uh, of injuries, um, you know, hey, Bumgarner is going to be coming back or, you know, we can we don't have to sell yet. And so they all they did was ship uh, uh, Eduardo Nunez to, to Boston. Um, another year of standing pat. What do you think that does for the fan base? Well, I mean, it not only does, I mean, you also have to look at it for what it does in, in the locker room. I mean, you know, it, it, it's really a, um, when, when you make, when you go out and make some trades in, in this time of year, it, it, it's really a vote of confidence for the guys in the clubhouse as well. And that's, you know, that's where I'm sort of stationed more than among the fans, to be honest with you. And right. you want to reward players for, uh, their effort by giving them the, uh, the tools they have to maybe contend. Um, so, I mean, it, it, standing pat would, would probably not send the best message in the clubhouse. Um, you know, interesting for the fans. I mean, uh, I, I don't know if social media, how representative it is. It usually isn't to be honest, but you know, there are a fair number of fans who really don't want the giants to give up any decent prospects for help this year on the assumption that, um, they're not going to win this year, that this is just going to be a mediocre year. Um, and it's funny, if they finish 81 and 81, that would be a 17-game improvement over um, last year. And in, in any other city, you know, maybe, uh, I mean, it, just about any other fan base would love a 17-game improvement year to year, but it's different here. This is a team that is committed to winning every year, that's won three World Series every year. So I think you'd have a lot of fans who are maybe peeved a little bit if the Giants didn't go out and get help. Um but, you know, before the deadline uh, to try and at least make a push at this thing. Right. Um, I, I want to dig in a little deeper to just what you were talking about in terms of uh, the message that it would send to the players. Have you noticed the atmosphere changing at all in the locker room? Um, you know, beyond what's going on the field in terms of wins and losses, it, it seems like they keep on getting bitten by this little injury bug, too, with uh, Brandon Belt being the latest to go down. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, that can be wearing on a team. Uh, but I, you know, one, th one thing that they've done a good job of this year that they did not do a good job of last year uh, last year, when the, the guys who went went down, they didn't really get a ton of help from the minors or from these, uh, you know, sort of uh, six-year free agents, minor league free agents, journeymen that they had signed. This year, it just seems like they're getting a lot of help when these guys go down and get hurt. Uh, you know, some of them are some of them are rookies. Uh, I mean, uh, Stephen Duggar has uh, really. I mean, it's just been a very short sample size, uh, but he's he's really played some good baseball. Um, and, uh, so has Austin Slater. I mean, I know he made a, a kind of a misplay at, a, at first base, which is not his position, but he's doing a good job defensively. He's drawing walks, uh, you know, hitting against, uh, left, <coughs> left-handed pitching, excuse me, even against right-handed pitching. Um, you know, got, some, some guy like uh, Chris Darno, for instance, uh, here, here's a guy who they signed as a veteran, 
uh, journeyman player in um, in the offseason. He comes up and helps. So they've been getting that kind of contribution. Uh, <coughs> sorry, no cough button. Um, <laughs> from, from from that sort of uh, that sort of player, uh, and and so it maybe is not as dire uh, to you know with these guys going down, and they also have had a bunch of guys coming back. Uh, you know, the bigger issue than the injuries just seems to be their inability to hit consistently and win consistently, and um, you know that takes a toll. But they, you know, look, I mean, they've they've been in every game. There's it's not for a lack of effort. It's not for a lack of desire. Um, if anything, there's frustration that they just can't push that one or two run across to, you know, to, to win some of these one run games that they're losing. Speaking of the young guys uh, like Duggar and Slater, um, are, you know, one thing that the Giants do have are veterans, um, be it Hunter Pence or Andrew McCutcheon. Do you see a lot of the kind of taking them under the wing or do these kids that are coming up already kind of carry themselves well? Yeah, you know, there is some of that. Uh, Pablo Sandoval took a bunch of young players out to dinner uh, the first night when they got to Seattle on Monday, uh, Pablo is one of those guys who's now uh, taking it upon himself to to be one of those leaders for some of the younger players. Other veteran players do that at well, but the uh, as well. The interesting dynamic is that there are so many guys from Sacramento who have been on this team and are on this team now who played with each other. Uh, that there is sort of this comfort level. And I've talked to some of the younger players about this. I mean, Derek Rodriguez, uh, Austin Slater, Stephen Duggar, um, Ray Black. Uh, there, there are a bunch of these guys who were teammates, uh, not, sometimes not just teammates this year, but teammates going back. And, you know, if, if, if you have a really veteran team and one guy comes up, it can be a little disorienting. But when you have a whole bunch of guys, it's almost like, you're in your comfort zone. And, and I think that's helped a lot. And it, it really, it really hasn't been that way around here for a, a while. You know, 2009 was really the last time, uh, you know, it was just about when the Giants were starting to get out of the, uh, the darker period of the, you know, the, the bonds, losing bonds years and, right. exactly. Yeah. And moving into their, in, into their championship era, which they didn't know then was a championship era. And then, you know, you had guys like, uh, you know, Lipscomb and, and Kane, uh, they had been around for a little bit. And then Posey comes up, Sandoval comes up, Bumgarner comes up. And and, and these are guys who had known each other, uh, played some together in the minor leagues. And, and this is a little bit of what I'm seeing this year. Right, right. Um, that It's exactly like kind of coming, a group of guys coming up together and um, feeding off each other that way. Speaking of Kane, the uh, Giants are holding their uh, Wall of Fame uh, ceremony uh, this weekend um, during the Brewer Series. Um, you, you'll be out there for that one? What, do you, what kind of reception will, yeah. do you think these guys are going to get? Oh, they'll just be booed off the stage completely for <laughs> quitting on the giant. No, I mean, these are, uh, you know, there's just, uh, it's kind of hokey. Uh, I'm guessing that people from other fan bases probably laugh at this, but there's this whole uh, hashtaggy thing called Forever Giants. And, and right. these, these guys are all Forever Giants. And, you know, I mean, the, the fans just love the guys who help them win these titles. And uh, to me, the interesting uh, thing is Brian Wilson coming right. back the, into the pool. I mean, the last that's time what I was. Right. Yeah. I mean, the last time we saw had seen Brian Wilson, he had walked over after a game with the Dodgers and the Giants and seemed to be yelling at Larry Bear over what we later heard was about, you know, maybe having a ceremony on the field to get his uh, his World Series ring. And, and now all of a sudden he's, you know, he's sort of back in the fold and all is forgiven. And now he's going to get a, uh, a Wall of Fame uh, plaque um, along with Kane and Vogelsong, who 
never had a, any kind of falling out with the Giants and indeed retired. Uh, well, Vogelsong didn't, but I mean, uh, Kane, Kane retired as a Giant. And, uh, right. you know, Vogelsong, uh, always a popular player, started out with the Giants, came back, helped them win. Right. Um, so, it, you know, it should it should be a very fun time. Right. No, and, and you're right. I was just joking about Brian Wilson. Does uh, does he get a free pass after joining the Dodgers and, and what that reception would be? Um, so... What's that's uh, you, the hitting? What is there any cure for, for that? I mean, I know it sounds really stupid to ask, but um, they just haven't consistently seemed to be able to to deliver. Yeah, and you know the cure, so to speak, is just to get one or two guys hot. And we're talking about guys who have a track record in the major leagues and who have been hot this year. I mean, Brandon Crawford had a May. Uh, where, you know, he could have been player of the month if Scooter Jeanette had not had the kind of month he had. I mean, there were, Brandon Crawford came to bat, and, I mean, it was pretty much automatic that he was going to get a hit. And in the last month and a half, it's been just the opposite. And uh, actually, Thursday night's game, uh, the opener against the Brewers, uh, didn't I didn't get into it in the story, but his at-bats were uh, probably some of the best at-bats he's had in a while. Uh, he was going to left field. He made some solid contact. So I don't know if he's made an adjustment there. You know, Belt was in a one-for-33 uh, slump uh, when he uh, got hurt the other day. He actually got an infield hit on the play in which he was injured. So he can say two-for-34, I guess, now. Um, and uh, you don't know if that how much that had to do with the appendectomy, the birth of his son, um, and, and all that. Um, Joe Panic, who... Uh, is going to come back fairly soon from his uh, groin injury. He wasn't hitting when he went down. Um, they've missed Longoria. Now, he came back and got two hits right away in his first game back against uh, a lefty, Wade Miley. Uh, now they're going to face three righties, et cetera. McCutcheon has not uh, been McCutcheon, but he's also uh, hit into – I mean, he's hit more hard outs than anybody on the team and, you know, among the league leaders in uh, hitting the ball really hard and not – uh, getting outs. So then you have Buster Posey, who's not hitting for power. I mean, I think Posey has the three extra base hits uh, in July. I think uh, McCutcheon has something like three extra base hits in July. Um, so you, you just basically have this sort of team-wide malaise at the plate. And uh, it, it really, the, the lack of extra base hits is really what's the most troubling thing. You don't, you don't have to hit home runs uh, necessarily. Um, you know, I've kind of funny that the last uh, home run that was hit was by Pence, who uh, had not had one. Um, but, you know, they're not even hitting – they're not really hitting doubles. They're not really hitting triples. Um, and uh, they're not really hitting when uh, guys are in scoring position. Um, I mean, they, uh, just the Thursday night game, um, for instance, a base is loaded and uh, nobody out. That's the kind of rally that they had in the second inning where you really want to kind of bury the opposing pitcher. And Hunter Pence comes up and he swings at the first pitch and grounds into a double play and they score a run. And, you know, Duggar kind of saved him with a two out hit. So it's a two run rally. But, you know, those those, those two run rally, a rally like that, that that should be a four run rally. Uh, right. You know, if you're going to if you're going to be successful, then first and second, nobody out in the fourth inning. Uh, Posey makes a very, very rare mental mistake. It's caught uh, running on a, on a ball that was caught double play. And uh, it's just going to take. You know, two guys maybe, two guys in the middle of the lineup to get hot at once. Uh, 
and, and you could actually see them score enough runs to win some ball games. Right. Um, go back to the trade deadline. Um, you had mentioned Baltimore's Adam Jones, a couple of um, guys that might also be available. Uh, Detroit's Nicholas Castellanos, uh, Shin Soon Chu from Texas. Um, can you? There's the trade deadline. There's a non-waiver trade deadline, and we all we always see trades happen after that as well. Um, so it's kind of a soft trade deadline. Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, this confuses a lot of people, but basically um, you can trade anybody before July 31st and you don't have to put the player on waivers. Uh, So trading is unrestricted as long as the player doesn't have a no trade clause. After July 31st, you can still trade players, but the player has to clear waivers first. In, In other words, all 30 teams have a crack at putting in a claim for that player. And the reason this is established was just to make sure that uh, one or two teams just can't load up on players at will uh, at the, you know, after down the stretch, the rich teams. You don't want the rich teams to be able to just load up on players at the expense of the poorer teams uh, at the end. So uh, it's sort of a way to keep it a little balanced the last two months of the year. And the way it works is, uh, and I will and I will give you an example, uh, just any example. Um, let's say uh, Castellanos, uh, for instance, is not traded uh, and Detroit decides to trade him. So um, Detroit will place him on uh, waivers and pretty much every player gets placed on waivers uh, because they're revocable. Uh, after August 1st, you're going to see a lot of stuff. Oh, the Giants put Bumgarner on waivers. Oh, the Giants put Posey on waivers. Well, they do that with every player. But then what happens is every team um, gets a chance to claim him. It goes league first, then reverse order of standing. So if Castellanos were placed on waivers, the, every American League team, starting with whoever is at the worst team in the American League, which would be Baltimore, would get the first crack at claiming him, uh, and then all the way on up to the best team in the American League. Then you go to the worst team in the National League, all the way up to the best team in the National League, and it's reversed. If it, uh, if for instance, uh, you know, you were going to trade a National League player, it would be the other way around. And <clears throat> what happens is that um, multiple teams can make a, a claim on the same player, but the team with the worst record in the league of the uh, of the the player. Um, is the one who is awarded the claim. And then that team is given 48 hours to make a deal uh, with the team that has the player. And uh, if they can't make a deal, uh, then uh, the player cannot be traded for the rest of the year. And that's what usually happens. And it gets very intriguing. You have blocking claims, for instance, where a, a team really has no interest in a player, but they'll put in a blocking claim knowing that the you know, that the other team is not going to deal him to you. Um, and then they can just withdraw it. And, and players are claimed all the time. Um, and what, what usually happens is the players who end up being traded in August and September are players who are either really not that much of a difference maker that no team would really want to pick up on a waiver claim or uh, players who have really, really big contracts who nobody would want to claim. Because if you make the claim, you have the risk of, uh, the the team saying okay he's yours and right for, and then right right yeah so so for instance the Giants if the Giants wanted to trade Johnny Cueto for instance mm-hmm. uh, and if the Giants actually found somebody to trade Johnny Cueto they they run them through waivers first but nobody's going to claim Cueto um, you know unless they're willing to take on the last four years of his contract you know and and, and over eighty million dollars or whatever whatever that's going to be. 
Right. So you put in a claim, you you essentially could be responsible for the remainder of that player's contract. Yeah, exactly. And then the famous case, uh, there's a famous case, Randy Myers uh, was a, a pitcher for the Blue Jays. And um, the, uh, the Padres were in a, uh, they were locked in a division race with the Dodgers, I believe it was. And, uh, the, 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 the Blue Jays placed Randy Myers on waivers and, uh, the Padres claimed him, uh, really to block him from going to the Dodgers. And the Blue Jays said, Oh, Hey, okay, he's yours. <laughs> and, and, and Myers had a really bad contract and then the Padres got stuck with it. Now, now the giants, this is interesting history here. The giants actually claimed Cody Ross in 20. 20- 10, that pretty much was a blocking claim. They really didn't have a need for Cody Ross, uh, but they didn't want the Padres to get him. And the Giants had an inferior record, so uh, they were awarded the claim. And the Marlins uh, were able to save a million or two million, whatever it was. And they said, okay, Giants, he's yours. Uh-huh. You know, have fun with Cody Ross. And then and then it just worked out. <laughs> worked it, out it, okay, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, so that was one way. I just gave you an example of Randy Myers, one that didn't work out, and then Cody Ross, one that did work out. Right. Um, fantastic. So um, just really quickly, um, before we uh, take the podcast in a different direction, where are we um, injury status wise in terms of uh, Samarja and Brandon Belt? And then you already talked about a few of the guys ready to come back hopefully soon. I thought you were asking about me. My shoulder is killing me, right? My right one. If you have any, you know, if you have any pity whatsoever. Uh, but as for the team, uh, I talked to Belt uh, after the game last night. He said he thinks uh, he should be back within the ten days, right after the ten days of the disabled list. Uh, Joe Panic is going to play. Uh, he played five innings uh, Thursday night for Sacramento. He's supposed to go seven innings Friday, nine innings Sunday. Uh, maybe give him a day off, and then uh, Sacramento goes on the road, and he may get some more at bats with San Jose. So he's probably you're probably looking at maybe the Arizona series next week uh, in Phoenix for Joe Panic to return. Um, Samarja, they've just shut him down. I mean, uh, they, uh, look, you know, they, they've tried to bring him back, uh, twice now from this, uh, shoulder thing he's had, and it hasn't worked out. He hasn't been able to build up velocity. And, um, I, you know, I, I think they're just going to just take a step back and just see if they can let this thing heal, change the way he works out, change the way he, he practices his throwing and see if they can, you know, if they if they can get something uh, from him before the end of the year, or just you know, if they start to fall out of it, just you know, shut them down for the year. They still have them for three more years. I'm sorry, what two more years? I guess it is. So you know, just play for 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 2019 in that situation. And of course, uh, Longoria is back. Right. Okay. Uh, so in the uh, greater uh, baseball world. Um, uh, it's a Hall of Fame weekend um, in Cooperstown, New York, and uh, there are uh, four players going in: uh, Vladimir Guerrero, Trevor Hoffman, Chipper Jones, Jim Tomei. Um, you had written a story about Bruce Bochy uh, possibly tr- uh, skipping Sunday's game to uh, attend um, and be there to support Hoffman. Um, and obviously the two of them have a long history uh, dating back to their days together in San Diego. I've got a question for you, though. Um, you wrote a story about, you know, the logistical nightmare that Bochy faces if he goes. Um in terms of taking a red eye after the flight on Saturday, drive, you know, uh, I, I don't know where he's flying into, um, you know, I, I, Albany is, uh, I guess, an hour and a half away so uh, from Cooperstown. But if, if you're Bruce Bochy, wouldn't this be the one time you maybe charter a plane or something like that? You're, you know what I mean? 
just well, to try to skip be. some yeah, of these logistics. <laughs> yeah, that could be what that could be what he does. I mean, or he could take one of the the twenty five scheduled red eyes that go from SFO to Poughkeepsie uh, each night, <laughs> or Schenectady, whatever the the town is that's closest to Cooperstown. But I mean, he really loves Trevor Hoffman. Hoffman was his guy for. 12 years is closer for 12 years in San Diego. They remain good friends to this day. They both still live in San Diego. Uh, he'd also like to be there for Alan Trammell, who was one of his coaches oh, in, uh, right. in San Diego before Trammell himself became a manager. Um, it, you know, it's just, it, it's one of those things where it's a once in a lifetime thing. And, and he said that, uh, you know, it's worth all the lack of sleep and all the miles that he'd have to put in to go, to go see it. Uh, no, I, I absolutely. Um, I, I think uh, you, uh, both of us have um, had the uh, pleasure of uh, going to Cooperstown and visiting, um, not necessarily during Hall of Fame weekend, um, but it's a it's a pretty special place, isn't it? It, it really is. Um, I, um, I I'm actually due for a visit. It's been a while since I've been there. Um, and I, I've been there a few times. I had one really cool experience, uh, you know, just because of my status as a baseball writer and a Hall of Fame voter, um, I can uh, call ahead and uh, uh, to the to the people who I, I know there and uh, get maybe a little bit more of a behind the scenes tour. And, and one time they took me down into the archives, which are in the basement uh, of the Hall of Fame. And um, they pulled out a, you know, like a little file drawer, almost like like one of those old library uh, Dewey Decimal card folders, and if you're under, oh, yeah. yeah, if you're under I forty, I still remember your, those. <laughs> if you're under forty, ask your grandparents what I'm talking about. And they pull hey, out now, one of those I things still that, remember <laughs> the Dewey Decimal system. <laughs> okay, uh, pull out, pull out one of those. Um, uh, they pulled out one of those things, and they pulled out a folder, a little folder, and opened it up, and there were a whole bunch of, of articles of mine. So what they do is that they have archivists, and I imagine now that this is probably done more online. But they have archivists who pull out stories of, of players and clip them uh, so for, for research purposes. And uh, so they pulled them out, and there are my stories with my byline in the, in the archives of the Hall of Fame. So now I naturally can tell people that I am actually in the Hall of Fame uh, in, Cooper's, <laughs> in Cooperstown. Yeah. And well-deserved. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I might have actually – this is – uh, long ago enough for me, it must have been like 15 years ago, um, and I, so I think it actually was um, Hall of Fame weekend, or it was uh, a, f- a few days prior, and I think I was working at the Albany Times Union, so I went uh, a few days ahead of time to, um, it was it must have been to work on some story, uh, and what I remember is, I didn't know where to park, um, and I think, I probably shouldn't say this, it was Jeff Idelson, who is now the president of the um, Hall of Fame, um, He I just, this, this is what stuck with me, he's like, oh, you know, I don't think we have tow service here in, in Cooperstown. So just park anywhere. The worst thing you could do is get a ticket and nobody's getting towed. So that, uh, I don't know if that's still the case or not, but that, that was my um, takeaway from that. Well, uh, yeah, you could probably get towed now because every city needs the revenue. You know? Oh, there you yeah. go. <laughs> I, had another, I had another thing with the Hall of Fame. and in, in you know, Every year at the Hall of Fame, they have a temporary exhibit of uh, the World Series champ of the, the the previous year's World Series, and when the Giants won the World Series in 2010, um, that winter I started having people uh, text me or 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 you know email me or whatever, telling me, hey, I went to the Hall of Fame and they had the Giants World Series exhibit and they took your article from the clinching game and they blown it up in on this big cardboard thing that's part of the exhibit. And I thought that was really cool. You know, that's something I would love to have for my house, um, you know, to have that cardboard, that cardboard thing. And I you know it's a temporary exhibit. 
So uh, I called Jeff Idelson and I, and I said, Jeff, you know, is there any chance I can have that thing? Uh, it's not really an artifact. And he said, oh, yeah, uh, I'll go check on I'll, I'll go check on it. And then he called me back a couple hours later and he said, yeah, they threw it away. Oh, I know. <laughs> hey, I know. Oh. I really would have liked to have had that. <laughs> of course, I go, right. to, I go to Kinko's and make another one and say it was in the Hall of Fame. But it wouldn't be the same. No. <laughs> All right. Um, well, I'm very sad for you that they discarded that. That would have been a cool little uh, piece de resistance, like in your uh, in the man cave or whatever room, showpiece room you have at home. Um, so <laughs> I can't... <laughs> I can't promise, I, Henry, you're going to be back with us next week. I can't promise that all of the Giants players will be here, um, but that uh, will give us um, a natural way to pick up next week when you're back with us for Giants Double Play. Absolutely. We'll talk, we'll talk post-trade deadline. All right. Thanks, Henry. This show is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Our theme music is Horns of Jericho by Lucas Pern and Miloslav Kolar, courtesy of the Free Music Archive. This show is produced by me and Fernando Diaz. For more Giants coverage, you can follow Henry on Twitter at Hank Schulman and me at Janie underscore who. Check out all of our coverage at sfchronicle.com. Hold up. 